I, I definitely feel that isolation. Talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. She told me that I should change my career goal. We're only doing science to take care of our community. You need to feel 100% prepared for sharing your knowledge. Um, there's never been a road that someone has shown me. If no one do it, it's okay if you want to do it. Well, I had a 2.5 GPA. How do I overcome this? First gen come grade, I was the class the low. Higher education is for them. It will empower them. They will have a full time. Present myself in a way that I feel that people would be able to really acknowledge who I am and like We need to retain them Be you, you know, like stop trying to mold yourself to fit but It's not just about the science, it's about how we vote, you know, how we treat people who are different to us You know, how we try and get the best out of people, those things are really important When I graduate from our program, I will be the first African-American male to ever have matched and graduated as a surgeon at this institution, as a general surgeon which in 2021 just seems ridiculous to me. What's up y'all, it's your host, JP Flores, and welcome to From Where Does It Stem? Uh, my name is Chris Emden. I'm currently a professor of education, a Nasland Endowed Chair in Curriculum and Teaching at the University of Southern California previously a uh, professor of science education at Teachers College at Columbia University. So that's like my academic self. Um, I'm also like uh, a hip hop aficionado, um, uh, uh, an artist, a creative. Um, I love to write rhymes. I'm a father. Um, and just like an all around, like um, I, I try to be like a down to earth person who just happens to have a job in education and STEM. And I think that all those things can come together, you know, and, and that's part of why I'm talking to you. That's why I wrote this book. It's like, it's about like, how do we exist at the intersection of our multiple identities? Right, right, exactly. Um, you wanna end with a fun fact? What you got for us? Yeah, oh, fun fact. Fun fact is I once dunked a basketball at Madison Square Garden. No way. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a Knicks absolutely. fan or? I am a Knicks fan, which is sometimes like, uh, a sad tale. We got to do some things <laughs> this year, though, so it's all good. Yeah, good thing you're going to LA. You get to see Kawhi, uh, PG, and and LeBron out there. So <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my favorite player is actually Russell Westbrook. Despite oh, all the slander right now, yeah, I love yeah, Russell. Yeah. So so yeah. I, I make sure I get a chance to watch a, a Lakers game. But yeah, man, it was an All Star game in, at Madison Square Garden um, a couple years back, and I like volunteered because like just to be at the Garden, I volunteer. Yeah. And they were like, you guys can come on the court. And I was like, what? And, uh, <laughs> you know, in my, in my, in my former, former days, I used to play a little bit of ball. And I, okay. I was like, you know, should I go for the dunk? I'm like, all right, let's go for it. So <laughs> I landed it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so, so you mentioned your new book, um, STEM, STEAM, Make Dream. I think it's uh, Reimagining the Culture of Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, right? Yeah. Uh, it came out just last, last month. And I was kind of curious about its roots, right? Um, your roots as well. Like what compelled and inspired you to, to write this book? And at what point were you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want this to be a part of me. Like, did it have to Man, be experience in education or what was that all about? Yeah, the, the book Stem Steam Make Dream is birthed out of my life experiences. And so in the book, like I write about my story. I write about when I fell in love with science. I write about my experiences in STEM. I write about my first experience in the science lab. Yep. And, and all of the joys and traumas that come out of that experience. But then I also wanted to write a book like for my teachers, like when I was in school, like the kind of teachers that did not foster my interest in STEM, yeah. that did not see my genius. Like, you know, what could I write in a book to offer them to help them reimagine, you know, STEM and STEAM? 
And then I also wanted to, to write something that could activate the imagination. I think, <laughs> I think being a scientist is about being creative and imaginative. And so I wanted to really have some thought-provoking questions. And then I wanted a book that had some dope quotes from amazing <laughs> scientists, right? Like I interviewed Neil deGrasse Tyson. I interviewed uh, Leland Melvin. I yeah. inter interviewed Ron Eglass. Like, so all these folks that I thought were heroes, I wanted to feature those guys who are not the traditional scientists right. um, and traditional mathematicians and showcase them. And then I wanted to put a couple of lessons, like some things that, that I do with my children to make them be STEM enthusiasts. So the book is like, it's like equal parts, life story, um, uh, striking the imagination, um, thought provoking, artistic, creative. I, I just wanted the book that I would have, that I would have benefited from when I was a teacher, the yeah, book that I would have benefited from when I was like, um, you know, in a, uh, in a, in a 12th grade trying to figure out if I could be a scientist or not. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I, I wrote a book for the former me and, and, and the book I needed when I was a teacher to help me be better at the STEM steam thing. Yeah. Um, so the book is my life. Yeah. I, I love that, man. That's so cool. Yeah. So let's get down to the nitty gritty, right? Like let's, let's, let's be real. I, I was a first generation college student. You know, I, I don't know how I ended up in a PhD program, but I'm here, right? <laughs> struggled in school, got to college, faced that really steep curve. Why do you think we struggle? Is it pedagogy in general? Is that our inability to stay engaged? Like, what do you think would, would help me out, help me and my peers out? Yeah, you know, I, I want to make a point that's really important here. And it is that the inability for the system to accommodate for the genius of people from diverse backgrounds is not a reflection of the genius of those populations, but rather the flaws in the system of education, period. And even when we talk about like, you know, you know, I had challenges with my, you know, because I, 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 I like um, my learning, my learning abilities were like, no, it's not about your learning abilities. It's about your learning style. Ability is there. Everybody has the ability to be genius at anything that they have a passion for. You might have a style that the institution does not support and embrace. And so the first thing I would say is for, for folks who are in the position that you're in and that I was in is don't allow the institution to define for you whether or not this thing that you love can be something you can pursue. That's the first part. The second thing to understand is like, don't let your self-confidence, um, your belief in your ability or your, um, your potential be hampered by the messages you're receiving from a flawed institution. And the last part is, it's a flawed institution, but it is an institution that we need to get to where we need to go. And so, the, so it's like, how do you enter into these places, offering for them your genius, and then working within it to help to reimagine how they approach things? And so, it's it, those three things are, are are the big thing. And you know, don't get it twisted. Like, working in STEM requires hard work. Like, yeah. it requires dedication. It requires. Um, taking time with things. It's, it, it requires some grit. It requires some rigor. But those are things that we do anyway. An immense amount of resilience. Yep. If you love playing basketball, each time you spend practicing on the court, every single shot, this takes a lot of work. Yeah. If you're a rapper, the writing, the rewriting, the remixing, the reimagining, the like though this takes a lot a lot of work. And in Stem Team Dream, I write about this concept of science mindedness. It's not about being a scientist, it's about being science minded, right? Are you creative? Are you curious? Are you anti-authoritarian? Do you think in metaphor and analogy? Are you inventive? And um, if you have those skills, you can apply them to STEM. But you have to remember that you had those skills and don't let a bad experience convince you that you don't. Yeah, no, most definitely. 
Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I played college baseball in LA at Occidental college. And oh, I don't. Think, yeah. I, I think that's where the work ethic comes from. Now that, now that you mentioned it, like that makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, and what you really said resonates with me because I do think it's multi-pronged, right? It's, it's the yeah. institution and it's also within, within us. So I guess I want to start within us. How can students at any level from elementary to graduate students uh, be reintroduced to this, right? How can we stay motivated to learn and stay in this field? I feel like it's so hard because again, right? We have to take our little wins, right? Our little victories, but how do we sustain that, right? Like after one big fall, how do we get back up from that and like stay consistent? You know, one of the biggest things I like to share with folks is to understand that STEM is in your DNA. for folks of color in particular, like the inventiveness of our ancestors, um, you know, like, like you know, the, 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 the ways that the folks that we come from have been able to make something out of nothing. Um, all those who've been deprived socioeconomically, historically, having an inventiveness and a creativity and, a, and, a, um, and an innate sort of like um, curiosity about the universe, that's a part of who you are. So a bad experience does not dictate what's embedded in your genetic code. And I think that sometimes when we think about STEM, we like we think it's for those people, or it's like, you know, it, it's about memorizing enough information. It's like to have that book knowledge. And yeah, we want to be able to have the book knowledge, but the book knowledge is actually the cherry on top of the majestic dessert that is who you come from and who you are. And so for me, it's about redefining STEM. So, the, the, you know, when I say reimagining the culture of, of science, psychology, engineering, and mathematics, it's not just for the institutions, it's for us to reimagine our relationship to STEM. To, 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 to reimagine like the things in STEM that we do every single day without even considering that it is STEM. And then realizing that if you have those innate skills, don't you wanna get extra information and extra credentials and extra titles to support what's already there? I think sometimes people think it's like, let me not be myself and be STEM. Nobody want that, that's trash. Like, why would you wanna be like somebody else? It's how am I gonna be me and get those things that are supplements to who I already am so that I can have a, a job or a career or a desire and passion yep. for these disciplines. Like, I don't want everybody to be a scientist. I want everybody to be scientifically literate and to be a science enthusiast and not be turned off by it and not have that identity damaged by it. And yep. so it's, 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 it's a whole, again, like you said, multi-pronged and layered phenomena um, to how we address these issues. Yeah, most definitely. And a way we can address this is, is using, uh, utilizing storytelling, right? The importance of storytelling. So a lot of people think this is a STEM podcast about science, but it really isn't, right? Like I interview scientists, uh, people in STEM from all over the world and just ask about their stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like emphasis, italics, stars, stories, right? So how can stories inspire the next generation of scientists and, and students? Well, it's in the story that the pathway to success becomes clear, right? Cause you will see somebody like, oh my gosh, they're so successful, they're so amazing. Um, um, you know, I would want to do that one day, but I probably can't. Or I, like, I don't have a pathway. But it's when folks are able to articulate their stories that the truth emerges. Like, um, in STEM Team Make Dream, I interviewed Joaquin Frank, who is a Nobel Prize winning chemist. I mean, he's a brilliant guy. And as I'm talking to him, he's telling me about how he grew up in a war torn area. And how all he wanted to do was to be able to write stories. And his favorite hobby right now is to be a fiction writer. And yet here you are as a Nobel Prize winning chemist. Somebody who loves to write stories needs to hear that. And, and so when I write about that in the book, it's, it's so that his narrative becomes revealed. Because you don't want to revere someone and you have no path to get there. 
You want to be able to revere someone, know their story, because the story always resonates, because these are just like, you know, they're just ordinary people. I hate to quote John Legend here, right? These just ordinary people who found a way to do extraordinary things. And you can be extraordinary as well when you see yourself in their narratives. Definitely, yeah. You, you can quote John Legend all you want, man. I love John Legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so another concept that I like to talk about is the purpose of schools. Right. I know a lot of families who are so torn over the concept of higher education. Right. Some people prefer not to go to school and some people do. Uh, People can do whatever they want. Right. But, for example, people have questioned my decision to go to graduate school and they think it's it's a waste of time. I'm here because in my eyes, science is for my community. Right. It's it's for helping people. But I feel like school has been seen as this kind of uh, like, quote unquote, brainwasher, I guess. So what do you think the purpose of school is and how do you think it can benefit society? You know, one of my favorite quotes, I actually believe it's a Mark Twain quote. I may be wrong on that, but it's like education is what remains after you've left school. And I think that schools have oftentimes functioned as a mechanism to separate people, particularly folks of color um, that come from diverse backgrounds from their communities, right? Like this is, this is narrative. It's like, you know, make your way out of the hood, you know, make it to the next level. And so we've all, and, and the pathway to be able to make it out to the hood oftentimes is by going to school. Right. And so we have this narrative where it's like, I go to this place to get this information. I get this information. I get this credential then I can leave behind all the awful things in my past. And so in some ways, schooling sort of like, it, it brainwashes you into believing that where you come from has no value. Yeah. And so yeah. folks in those communities are like, yo, we don't want you to be like those other ones who got lost and who got left. And that's why they say don't go to school. But in reality, I mean, our folks have always loved education. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I love the point you made. It's not about the education that you receive. It's about what you do with that education once it has become received. Yeah. Right. Um, do you get the education to go get a job and some cushy job somewhere, um, you know, making some money for yourself? Mm-hmm. Or do you get the education so you can have a vast array of resources, knowledge, information, social capital, cultural capital to be able to go affect change in the world? Yep. Um, I, I know for a fact that you are the latter. That's that's why I have I have mad degrees, fam, like <laughs> like a ridiculous amount of degrees. Like it's it's like so, it's a little nuts at this point. Right. But at the end of the day, I use those credentials to give me a platform to articulate what is necessary for the kid who does not have the opportunities or the luck or the circumstances I did and to help them to discover like the beauty and magic of STEM and not just for them, right? right. Also for STEM, yeah. like <laughs> math and science and engineering benefits from having people from different perspectives and backgrounds and insights and, and, um, and, and unique vantage points. And, and, you know, the fields benefit from folks who don't come from traditional backgrounds because they offer an immense creativity and imagination that those who've only learned in traditional schools that 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 hyper focus on memorization just can't offer. Um, so this is not like just doing the kids in the hood or the kids from English language learners or for like immigrants a favor. We're actually doing the world a favor by our presence yep. in these schools. Yeah. Now, out of curiosity, yeah, this I, I love I love where this conversation is going. What kind of like tangible ways do you think? Um, would work for people that are feeling discouraged right now? Like tangible, so this, like, do I look myself in the mirror and be like, JP, you got it today. Like, yes. What you got? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> over absolutely. and over and over. <laughs> Yo, you know, you know what's so crazy, JP? Like uh, uh, we have a, as a society, a tendency to overlook things that are significant 
to the construction of identity in a pursuit of these like large, crazy ideals. And, and that's why education is where it is right now. Yeah. Like, how do you improve education for young folks of color? People are like, give them iPads. Like, they'll come up with all these crazy things. And I'm like, yo, fam, tell them that they're special and they're loved and they're brilliant and they're genius every single day in the classroom. Yeah. I believe in this concept of a pedagogy of affirmation. You know, I call somebody by what I desire them to be. Um, when I saw physics in ninth grade, good morning, my physics phenoms. And these kids were like, I, 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 I'm not good at math. I don't like science. I'm not a phenom. What's a phenom? Don't call me that. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to allow you to deny your genius. And I called them that every day until they started to believe it. And when people start believing things, then they now start looking for evidence to support what they believe. See, right. if you think you're not smart and you can't do STEM, the first time you struggle at the board, you're like, oh, see, I'm not good. The first time that a teacher tells you you're not smart enough or the minute you fail an exam, you're like, oh, because you believe it. So you're, it's confirmation bias. So you're looking for circumstances in your life to support the perception that you have. If somebody convinces you that you're brilliant, and that you're genius, and that you can, the first time you have a good experience, like, ooh, you're right, look, here's evidence to support why. So, yeah. well, so don't overlook looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself how great you are. Okay. That's, that's the first part. The second thing is reach out to people who are in the fields right now who are looking to mentor and support. You'd be surprised at how many folks come out of the struggle or where you are right now, and now all they do is write articles so that five other people can cite them and they do research every single day um, that they want to connect to communities. And so there are people who are in these industries from diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences, who don't know how to connect with a school or a young person. And so I would say to schools and to young people, send them an email. <laughs> Dear XYZ, <laughs> yeah, I'm in yeah. ninth grade. I read your article. Would love to hear more about They will respond because they're looking to give back and you're looking for inspiration. So let's make the magic happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think those are two really like sort of practical ways to, to get the ball rolling. I mean, the other thing too is like, it's, it's, um, <laughs> I think that it's about like swagging it out a little bit. Yeah. 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 I know. I know, you know I what I mean? It, yeah. it sounds yeah. really silly, but it's like, <laughs> you know, like show up confident, feel good about it. I like, I dress up well for the most yeah. challenging circumstances in my life. Cause it makes me feel good. Um, you know, don't relegate things that are important to you to superficial lean into those things and then attach them to what you want to do most definitely yeah all right all right so that, that was great advice to get the mind right right <laughs> now now what are tangible ways that children and adults alike can re-inspire that love for learning so now it's like all right the mind's right now it's like all right how can i soak in this information and, and love it again stick sticking in it yo what you got the first, the first thing i would say is the context where you deal with the most challenging academic subjects should be the most comfortable place. Right. And this is like advice, to like parents. I'm like, yeah. you know, my kid, my kid is eight. Right. Um, you know, she's like, dad, give me some water. I'm like, who are you talking to fam? I'm not getting you no water. She's like, dad, I'm working on a science experiment. I need some water. I'm like, I'll be there right away. So like I, I, I attach service and love to the pieces that I, of our identity, of her identity that I want to support. So for parents, like create the context around learning to be fun, like make that the time where you wait on your child and also like aesthetics, like make your room your, where you do your homework, the most fly part, like buy a couch that you might yeah, like. Yeah. I was, I asked parents like, where's the most comfortable part in your house? They're like in front of the TV. Then, then that means that that that's the part where a young person feels most comfortable. Like yeah. the, the, my most beautiful and pretty part in my home is where I think and where I write and where I read. I don't know. You know, we're doing all audio here, but like, you know, this is where I, this is where I think, 
right? Huh, yeah, yeah. You know, be, because like that's the most rigorous part. So I need to be the most comfortable. I need to be the most inspired. Right. Um, so that's that part. And then also find the STEM and what you love. It makes you stick to it. So I, I, I interviewed a guy for STEM Steve McDream named Jeff Henderson. Uh-huh. He used to work for Nike. He was an engineer and a designer. Um, in fact, he like helped to design the first Yeezys. And this dude is so dope, right? He's, he's an engineer with an aesthetic quality. And he found a way to fall in love with the science and engineering of sneakers. Yeah. And so it's like, whatever you love, there's science in it. Trust me. And so discover the STEM and what you love. Be an expert in that. And then you're going you're gonna to want to go study. Like, if you love Yeezys and you're like a designer that this, wait, what, what kind of leather? What kind of leather upper? What was the laces made of? What are the tips? Like, and then you start finding out that as you discover more about that thing, you're researching really advanced science and yeah. math and engineering. And so style. find pathways you love towards the discipline. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, now I want to buy a bunch of plants for my apartment, man. Like, <laughs> ah, get it in. <laughs> get some LED lights or something. <laughs> yeah. So that was my last like like question question. But do you have anything yeah. that you'd want to say to uh, an audience listening out there? Yeah, you know, STEM is for everybody, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and STEAM, you know, science, technology, engineering, the arts and mathematics are the pathways to make STEM more equitable. And when we say STEAM with the A, we're not just talking about like traditional arts. We're not talking about like, you know, classical music and violin. When we talk about the A in STEAM, we're talking about art and culture. Mm-hmm. So it's the culture that young folks come from. It's their backgrounds and experiences. That's the anchor. Um, also, don't be scared to make things, create things, be inventive, take things apart, put them back together. People oftentimes make, uh, they make like vocational learning, like it's a, like a bad thing. Are you yeah. bugging? You know how much thinking is required in that? Seriously. So put yeah. Things, yeah, go on YouTube, re- research things and then fix it and do things and build things. So make, so STEM, STEAM, make, and then most importantly, dream. Uh, you know, dream about what you could do, what you could possibly do. Uh, dream about careers that don't exist yet. Uh, dream about what life will be like 50 years from now. Um, you know, STEM, STEAM, make, dream. Definitely. Yeah, I, I can't let you go yet. I hope you know there's two more questions that are that are a little more fun. All okay, right. let's do it. All right. What is your favorite song right now and why? Like, you're having Ooh. the best day ever and you're about to, like, get in the car, put on some music. What are you putting right on? Right now, right now, um, Flux Capacitor by Jay Electronica and Jay-Z. Okay. <laughs> Like, yeah, man. Like the, the, the way the beat comes in, it's like That'd be my walk up song for baseball. <laughs> oh, it's it's a brilliant song. So definitely, yeah. Flux oh. Capacitor, J Electronica. Okay, okay. Uh, if you could go back to graduate school, what would you have studied instead, and why? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, it's gonna sound weird. <laughs> Nothing's weird. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would study the exact same thing. Really, um, really, I really would. I think the only thing I would say is like I would add a, a study of like aesthetics and performance art. Okay. Uh, where I am right now, it's really about finding the ways that art is integrated into my work in STEM and STEAM. And I, I'm a I'm a I'm a big aesthetic dude. And the older I get, the more I appreciate um style and color and texture and yep. dress and clothing and intricate details and pocket squares and shoelaces and so. <laughs> Maybe like style and fashion yeah. and STEM. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what are you uh, looking forward to most when you move to LA? Um, 
Yo, LA is like, it's just like the weather, man. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I miss I, that you know, so much right now. <laughs> yeah, man. That's Southern California weather cannot be beat. Yeah. And also, like, I, I, you know, I find folks in LA just have a, a certain, like, easygoing nature. You know, I'm a New Yorker. New Yorkers are like type A personalities. Like, well, we got to go get it. We got to go get it. And the people in LA are like, we getting it, but we chilling too. And yeah, so yeah. Um, definitely the LA laid back and sort of more like relaxed energy. And then also definitely that LA weather. Yeah. You're not those gas prices though, huh? 596 uh, right now. Man, man. crazy. <laughs> I, like I, I've got to sort of like save my coins and get a hybrid. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, that, that's all the questions I have for you. Nah, it was it was great talking to you. It didn't feel like an interview at all. It felt like a conversation with an old friend. <laughs> um, which which is an indicator that you're you got something going. So don't stop this podcast, man. Keep doing it. <laughs>